Some years ago, a man working with the homeless was asked by a journalist, how come you seem to have so much respect for them? No matter what mood the people are in or how they are acting, you show them more love than anyone else I have ever seen. The man replied, I do not see them as homeless or helpless, but as individuals loved by God and bearing the image of God. I am greatly influenced by Jesus when he said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And then the man looked at the journalist and said, I am convinced that how we view people will affect how we treat them. Likewise, how we view life affects how we live. All that we have created, God created for us, we have the tendency to divide things into two categories, things that are sacred and things that are not. The man in the story describes well how our behavior unfolds in society as we interact with each other. However, if we declare Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it should be impossible to separate things as sacred and not sacred. When I was in seminary, there was a class that we could take that required students to wear the clergy collar for two weeks everywhere they went. I never took the course, but I had friends who did, and their biggest complaint was not how tight the collar around their neck was or how hard it was to be dressed up all day wherever you went. The biggest complaint about the class that required the clergy collar to be worn everywhere was they had to behave themselves and conduct themselves worthy of the clergy collar all the time. So you see, even those who God calls to serve him, to lead his people, feel more comfortable separating things in the sacred and the not sacred. But we have a tendency to act one way in church or church function, and we act another outside of church as though God is not there and will not see what we are doing. God is everywhere, however, and therefore we are in his space all the time. There is no escaping his view or his presence. It, can, it does not mean that we cannot get angry, because Jesus certainly did, but it does mean that God should matter in everything we do and everything we say. Giving God our all is what the gospel lesson is about this morning. This gospel story takes place while the Jewish land was under Roman rule, led by Caesar. The people were told they must worship Caesar because he was a powerful ruler. This was not negotiable. There was no love lost between the Pharisees and the Herodians, and the Pharisees were committed to following God and they did not like the Romans, but considered them a necessary evil, as long as they did not interfere with their religious practices. On the other hand, we know very little about the Herodians. Their names suggest that they were a secular political party who supported the right of Herod and his successors to rule Palestine. But necessity, by necessity, they are pro-Romans since no one can do anything in that part of Mediterranean without Rome's approval. 
But these two groups had one thing in common. They th were threatened by Jesus. So even though they were known enemies, they would join forces against Jesus whenever and wherever they could. Both groups approached Jesus ready to pounce like a lion into prey and ask him the loaded question, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? They were asking about the tax that is levied on every adult under the rule of the Roman government. To answer no to the question, Jesus would publicly deny Roman authority. To say yes to the question without qualifying his reply, Jesus would seem to be too obedient to those who resented Roman control. It would seem that they had backed Jesus into a corner. The Pharisees and the Herodians gave Jesus a compliment, telling him that he spoke the truth from God, just as they attempted to entrap him. According to Matthew, any leader is a hypocrite whose words and actions do not match and whose evil intent is hidden. This is why Matthew inter interprets their behavior as an attempt to test Jesus. Knowing it is a test, Jesus asked to see the coin used to pay the tax. As usual in his casual but direct way, Jesus turns the table on the two groups by asking them whose image and whose inscription are on the coins. The coins were imprinted with the bust of Caesar and bore the inscription in Latin, Tiberius Caesar, Augustine of the divine high priest. When they conceded that both belonged to the emperor, Jesus gave them the greatest reply he could. Give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. With, all single with a single brushstroke, Jesus silenced his enemies. They went away amazed at his answer. And if we were watching a movie of the story, this is where the whole theater would clap because the good guy won. Give to God the things that belong to God. Because an extremely large requirement for everyone, including the Pharisees and the Herodians, and maybe, perhaps, for each and every one of us. The inclusive scope of what belongs to God does not make the obligation to Caesar run parallel to it. But the statement, what belongs to God, is a principle of commitment that moves far beyond our civic obligation and certainly overrides it. The statement made by Jesus, give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. It is a statement well known by non-biblical and biblical scholars alike. Some have tried to interpret the statement as a theological principle regarding the relationship between church and state. But most scholars will say we cannot push the meaning of the text in that direction. The groups that are trying to test Jesus are meticulous about tithing. They loved making a show of their surface righteousness. However, to answer that Jesus gave them was, about, was not about money. It was but more personal than that. Giving of your soul to God, a much deeper commitment that cannot be put on display by flaunting and boasting in front of a crowd. <clears throat> the response Jesus gave clearly permits the paying of taxes, 
while at the same time asserting that the sovereignty of God, which is the foundation of our true freedom. Even though his enemy attempts to test him by political intimidation of their question, Jesus does not submit to their deviant behavior. The meaning of the encounter between Jesus and his enemies is not lost. Since he arrived upon the scene, Jesus has been telling the people that they have not been rendering to God what is God's. They have been withholding themselves from God on the premise of upholding the law and declaring themselves righteous. Through his parables, Jesus has told the Pharisees that they are God's people who say they will serve, but their actions do not show service. They are God's people who have been invited to God's way of doing things and they refuse the invitation. They are God's people who were given the vineyard and refuse to give God the share of the harvest. They are God's people who show no faith in what God can do for them. Any one of those stories we could say about ourselves. Through many stories such as these, plenty more, Jesus has told those who opposed his wisdom and authority that they have not given to God what is God. What Jesus says in his opposition, opposing enemies, he is saying to each of us, we are God's people, created in his image, think about that, chosen to be people, his people, blessed by him, and guided by him. Jesus is asking us this morning, to, in what ways are you giving God what is God's? In what ways is the image of Christ evident in your daily living? Simple questions. In what ways are you giving God what is God's? And in what ways is the image of Christ evident in your living? They are simple questions. But have you stopped to contemplate the answer lately? It should be impossible for us to separate God from our daily living. We cannot divide our world into what is sacred and not sacred. Jesus simply said, give to God what is God's. If we could learn to give to God what is God's, the abundant life that Jesus came to give us would be exploding in our lives. The abundant life Jesus came to give us is not about money or possessions. It is not about boasting and being righteous. It's about following him and doing his teachings and being faithful to those. It does not mean that we will have a perfect life with no sorrow. But what it does mean is that we can learn to be and have more gratitude and joy enabling us to think before we speak and act toward others. May we consistently ask the Holy Spirit to guide, direct, and empower us to be all that we were created to be by God. And may what we do and what we say bear witness to God every day as we give him our all. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. <clears throat>